Hi, Finn. It looks like we're on. Yes. Great. Worked. Wonderful. Excited to get started. Uh, for everyone who's not quite sure what exactly we're talking about, this is the first podcast recording for myself and Fenyon, who I'll let introduce himself in just a minute. But pretty much we were trying to fumble through the technology part and how to friend each other and make sure we were connected on the uh, the call. But before we get into all that, Fen, I'm just going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself real quick. Uh, you know, essentially, we both work for Planet Rise, but I'll let you tell you know everybody listening what you do. And uh, we'll go from there. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm Fen. I am a Bay Area-based uh, storyteller, musician, and narrative designer. And I'm working alongside Seth on Blue Alchemy Studios' Planet Rise. Um, yeah, that sounds, sounds about right, I think. Wonderful, yeah. And um, my name's Seth. Uh, you're listening to our podcast today. I also work with Fen. Uh, I'm one of the writers. I'm an editor on Planet Rise, which is an upcoming strategy tactical card game being released by Blue Alchemy Studio. Um, and today, Fen and I were going to take a few minutes to talk about the uh, kind of unique opportunity that we had a few weeks back to attend GDC and a lot of different uh, panels and discussions. Ben, I feel like you probably got to go to a lot more than me. Do you know offhand how many discussions you ended up going to? You know, actually, I think it might have been uh, might have been the opposite. I was uh, I was mostly on the expo floor, just oh, impromptu wow. talking to like the number of discussions was probably you know quite a huge amount, but they were more on the, the impromptu. Uh, Understood. Sector. So, Understood. Yeah. Well, there was one that we both got to go to uh, together because, mm -hmm. uh, and it's actually the only panel I had a chance to really sit down uh, almost all the way through. Um, and that was a pretty neat event, but you yeah. know, they're going to hear me talking a lot on other casts. So if you wouldn't mind giving, uh, you know, uh, your description of the, the panel and we'll get started from there and then I can follow up with some questions because yeah. I feel like I joined you guys a little bit after you and uh, Jabari and the others had already kind of right. gotten set up, right? Yeah, so um, we all went over to a, um, a Blacks and Gaming um, discussion panel meetup where we got to hear a few, about like six or seven folks who are in the industry discuss the state of diversity in gaming, of, you know, underrepresented voices, uh, things like that. It was a really, really awesome event both because it was a chance to see you know people who were in the industry and like you know talk about their own experiences but also to think about strategies and the future of how we can get you know a more inclusive storytelling environment in the video games medium i think that's a pretty uh pretty apt description so i'm gonna i'm gonna just uh say wow nice thank you <laughs> and uh, well described um I was pretty excited at the topics that were brought up. I felt that there were uh, a lot of um, ideas that I know are sort of existing as far as uh, being generally understood or uh, that when they come up, there can be shared looks that don't always go into detail. But I felt like a lot of the questions that were being asked and the discussions that followed really were pointed and pretty direct about what are issues and how can we work on solving them and who has ideas that we can talk about or get behind. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the first ones I'm going to go into, and these are just a series of questions that came up during the panel 
But um, one, I felt they led to some great discussion. And also, I'd like to get some feedback from uh, writers who are working on a game with a female lead character who's diverse, who uh, has an identity that we think is relatable to a lot of people, but you know, also is addressing a lot of these questions that are being raised. So the uh, first question, Fen, was, um, why are there so few games, movies with diverse main characters? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's probably a few reasons for that. I mean, not the least is definitely uh, it's a question of access uh, to to the mechanisms. You know, if you want to make a, a high budget uh, mainstream film or game or anything of that like, it costs a lot. It requires a lot of person um, pers- personnel. And that can be prohibitive to just like, you know, the average person who's trying to, to tell their story. I mean, that would be like a, a basic example, but there's also, I think, a larger issue, which is that a lot of stories and there's a people who don't fit, I guess, that Hollywood norm of like, you know, straight, white, usually male, but, you know, within that, that I guess, that core, if you're not part of that, there's this kind of sense that the story doesn't really matter or the story won't be universal or it's just not what people care about. And I think that's, you know, part of the more insidious part of the, uh, the question. Um, that said, I think lately I've been feeling a little bit more heartened because with the democratization of certain tools, for instance, like the cell phone or YouTube, there, I think, is a there's less of that gatekeeper kind of aspect in certain mediums. So I'm seeing a lot more unique, varied stories coming out, you know, YouTube channels in comics and indie video games. But there's still a long way to go because I think very, that that initial kind of gatekeeper as far as whose stories really are considered important is still very much a part of our society, unfortunately. Understood. Uh, I'm also just going to uh, make a quick tech note. Um, we are yeah. getting a little bit of distortion in your feed. I'm not sure if you're nearby a Wi-Fi area or, you know, in an area <laughs> where you normally get strong signal or not. But it, it got a little warbly once or twice. So I just wanted you to be aware of that. So uh, in Thank case there was you. anything you could adjust in your environment. I'm also going to let you know that uh, a couple of things that are interesting about today's uh, conversation. One, Fen and I are in completely different locales. We're <laughs> taking advantage of the fact that the Anchor app that we're doing this podcast on allows us to coordinate through Wi-Fi. And the fact that we both live in the Bay Area, but in two different cities and have complete lives that have to be lived, but that we can build in things like this where we can communicate. And uh so that might be why you might hear some technical uh, difficulties arising from time to time, but we hope it doesn't affect or impact negatively any of your uh, listening experience. Um, and on that, I think it kind of adds to what you were just saying about the idea of a gatekeeper, about the idea that there are these new platforms that allow access um, through their, um, whether it's portability um, universal application, or um, I think, which is something, another thing that has been really popular, which is the idea of open source, that, mm-hmm. you know, there should be something that should be accessible and can be developed by others from the outside. And um, we're actually having the opportunity to take advantage of that right now. This is a platform for us to hold a conversation, 
And then it allows us to then link it to other platforms where strangers and friends can listen in and either participate or uh, just take advantage of the fact that they're hearing ideas they either think about or might yeah. share with friends, but now they're being discussed by others. So, um, which is that that's probably, you know, one of the most exciting parts of this, just that, that building that conversation, you know, that, uh, community aspect almost, but yeah, well, I'm very excited. Yeah. And actually I think it would also say it would tie into some of the stuff that we've been able to use, you know, we've been able to take advantage of a number of different, um, platforms and uh, technologies that previously might have prevented us from accessing. But now we can have these conversations, share files, share story ideas, mm -hmm. uh, despite the fact that we all live in different areas. Um, right. And that seems to be uh, another example of how if you're taking advantage of it, the, these gatekeepers have no longer held the same sort of sway that there's more than just one route to uh, the goal you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. I got a little rambly there. Very, very important points too. <laughs> just, well, yeah. yeah, and I appreciate you bringing them up because as soon as you did, I just realized like, wow, here we are having this conversation on a platform you were referring to. Totally. And uh, it also reminds me that in times when I've been in writing programs and people have asked questions about getting published or, you know, getting their work out there. How uh, there was someone who came along and said, well, look, back when I was in school in the 60s and 70s, as soon as the mimeograph came out, someone said, you've got a technology that can reproduce your work. You no longer right. need a printer. You have a way of and that there are always these technologies. It's about how you use them and mm -hmm. if you take advantage of them to further your work or to uh, provide yourself more ways of access. Um, and I think I think the fact that. Um, something you've touched on recently in fact Ben recently uh, tagged me uh, for a, uh, a show on uh, Facebook uh, yes. you let me know about something that might be really relevant to storytelling and I know you've talked in the past about how the independent approaches have actually shown the success of collaborative effort with a small group and a, uh, a targeted goal oh absolutely um I know you mentioned some shows like YouTube that you've been catching up on that, that mentioned yeah. that barely adults was one that you had uh, recently tagged me on Facebook about. Actually. Yeah. That, um, that's a show I saw very recently. I believe it's, um, when I, when I watched it, it was only four episodes. I believe they're trying to get more produced, but it was a, a show about a young, uh, young black woman in New York city who had just uh, graduated college and was trying to make her way in the, you know, quote unquote adult world. <laughs> um, and I found the show to be one, it was, it was very refreshing to have, you know, a certain take on, on black identity and the experience. Um, because so often, I mean, I would constantly say, you know, getting away from this monolithic representation of, of any one culture. Um, but also just, you know, seeing this, I guess, humanity of this young woman trying to find her way in the modern world. And I felt the storytelling, it's all like, you know, maybe 10 minutes an episode was very pointed, very efficient. And it never, it never felt like any scene was wasted. And there was a humanity to the characters that just really, really caught me. So I definitely recommend it. And uh, there's, there's a lot of shows out there. Um, Carmilla was a show I enjoyed, you know, years ago. I think that's still ongoing. Um, this is just, I think because 
that medium is one where it's like, yo, if you have an idea, if you have a concept, if you have people who want to make this with you, you can just really make it and put it out there in one way or another, um, you know, through YouTube, through social media. I don't mean to like idealize anything, but I do think that it is helping for more unique voices and audiences to kind of come out and, and find something that they can identify with and, and appreciate. And I think that's super important because I mean, it's, we all need to see ourselves represented in, in images, in the media, um, to get that sense of, I guess, belonging, but also that sense of, you know, validation for your experience, for your existence. Um, so I'm, I'm really heartened by that. I definitely am always seeking out shows like that. I rare, <laughs> to be honest, I rarely, I'm, I rarely, I definitely don't limit myself to the, to the mainstream channels. It's usually these smaller productions that I find most satisfying nowadays in all mediums and video games as well. And movies and comics. It's yeah. Agreed. Hey, thank you, Finn. I appreciate it. And um, if you don't mind, I'm just going to do a shameless plug here. If you want to <laughs> read a little bit more about what Fen has to say about ideas on representation, he actually wrote up a really great blog that's on the playplanetrise.com website. If you just go there and click on blog, look for the one called On Representation by Fen Jan Smith. You're going to really uh, enjoy the read. And if you'd like to hear more about it, that's a good place I would recommend going. Um, yeah, shameless plug there, and I'm uh, <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Nice. Yeah, well, I, I think it was <laughs> yeah, a good work. It's gotten a lot of good views and a lot of great response, and uh, I'm happy to direct more traffic there because you talk about some great. In fact, I think it's important because um, while there are those who are going to agree that those independent productions are great examples of small success, um, the myth will say that these ideas are harder to sell on the the larger screen, the the bigger scale that. Yes, it's nice to have stuff like ATL and other programs that are, are making a headway um, on the small screen. But how does that translate into the big screen where movie production companies and studios have to decide how they're going to invest? And, um, you know, I know you have some thoughts about that and I'd love for you to mm. share them now. Ooh, well, I'm going to bite something really, really hard right quick. <laughs> um Black Panther. And I'm biting it because we, when I was at this Blacks and Gaming panel, the same question got brought up. And somebody as simple as that, you know, just said it and kept it going. And it's not just a like, oh, look, obviously the numbers, but I think it's okay. Well, <laughs> to be honest, the numbers are, the numbers don't lie. I mean, the film is huge, but I think it taps into something. Um, that's really, really important. And a lot of people haven't been considering is that that hunger is there. Like there are so many people who have been waiting for a film like this. I mean, get out before it did amazing as well. Um, and I, I'll be honest. I've seen both of those over five times in the theaters um, because these films made such an impact on me. And I think that studios for a really long time have been, you know, kind of perpetuating this myth that, you know, quote unquote, ethnic stories just don't reach white audiences or that they're, they're always something else. Or they're always, uh, what's the, what's a good word for it? They're like niche. And that, um, as I said before, like straight whiteness is the default. 
and they've been putting it out there like this is this is where you find accessible characters this is where you find accessible narratives and if you put anything else make a character of a certain ethnicity it becomes something that's not understood understood by people and i think that's you know in a lot of ways it's a really damaging myth um for one because it it, it totally others people's experiences and it you know it, it it's definitely upholding a, a notion of white supremacy there but or um but i think that when we're when we see these successes in films like black panther we're seeing that you know like people have spent lives generations just not being able to see themselves on the screen and once that film that actually takes in a respectful manner, that desire, that desire to be represented positively and, and delivers on it. Like people, people embrace it. And I think on another level, it's like, I've been, I'm one of those people, honestly, I've seen Black Panther, I think six times at this point. And every time I've been at the theater, it has been a wide range of people. There've been a wide range of people sitting in the audience. I've been, you know, yes, yeah, next to a, a bunch of, you know, my black friends, I've seen it with, you know, friends who weren't black. I've sat next to, Southeast Asian families who were like standing up and cheering through the entire film. Um, and, and I've seen like all some manner of like, you know, adults and youths alike who were just inspired by the sense of heroism or the sense of overcoming and the humanity with which it treats its characters. And I think that, you know, beyond the optics, which are completely completely super duper important um there is in black panther a very strong undercurrent of humanity of humanitarianism and perhaps that's the, not the right word of uh just the characters are very very empathetic very human and i think people of all backgrounds have latched onto that have recognized that and you know the cliche the proof is in the pudding there it's it's shown and i don't think studios can afford you know, no pun intended or pun intended to uh, ignore that any longer. Nice. Uh, and I think that's important in that, you know, you're, you're ending with the idea that if they're paying attention, this is something that they're going to need to recognize if right. only for the dollars and cents column, however else they, they might've been viewing things financially, this is an argument that, that they have to listen to. Yeah. And I, I definitely hope there is that uh, that recognition that you know there is a link, you know, <laughs> like agreed you between those. I was just curious, also, if you were um, if you had any thoughts about the idea of whether or not um, Get Out sort of built up the success leading to the then success with Black Panther. I mean, oh one we've God. got you know Ryan Coogler. And just a heads up, there's some kind of tapping noise in the background. I don't know if it was intentional. I was like, is he, is he recording notes? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, sorry. no, it was good. Um, and I was thinking, okay, so, you know, we've got the same director, right? I'm just going off the top of my head here, right? For, for, oh, no, uh, sorry. Um, not same director. I'm thinking of, uh, of the previous movie that Coogler did, and I was about oh, to mix it up pre- with Get Out. No, yeah, yeah. yeah and because I just watched that, and so my brain's in a Coogler thing. But also no, there was some great. great <laughs> yes, yes. we could probably go into as well, although it, you know, <laughs> it did have some franchise history that might have, you know, been part of that success. But for two standalones, you know, movies, 
Get Out and Black Panther. Was there a connection of the one success leading to the other? Or do you think it was just part of a, a larger um, momentum that was already sort of building that either was beginning before Get Out, began with it, and then either way carried on to Black Panther? Well, I, I'd say no doubt um, there's there was a momentum, I could say. Um, okay. But that said, when I first saw the trailer for Get Out, it blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. I, I, and it was not the type of film that I could have conceived of existing. And when I finally saw it, it delivered on so many points that I, it was one of those things like I didn't really have the words to even describe. Uh, about my own experience um, because it is like I mentioned with, um, with barely adults, it is a, a very, I guess, specific <laughs> kind of experience. It, it harkens back to, you know, my days, you know, I mean, full disclosure, I went to, I went to private school. I went to, you know, and I had those, that experience of being in like suddenly in like a very all white space and a very, you know, I guess, uh, how do I say outwardly, supportive outwardly kind but as i went through my experience i slowly kind of found this almost insidious under undercurrent to a lot of that um and i felt like get out kind of hit the nail right on the head and i think that's what um makes it such a powerful film it's 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 a very cathartic film in a lot of ways and it doesn't pull any punches and i think for a film like that to come out to be mainstream to be consistent and pointed with its message and also to do as well as it did. I mean, that was, that's huge, I think. Um, and I, I, I no doubt in my mind that that, you know, would start to kind of build that further momentum for more films to come out and to, to challenge things. I, um, God, I don't want to talk forever about that film, but I, I could. Um, and so from that, we, we see Black Panther coming. And Black Panther approaches it from a completely different angle, too, where Black Panther is discussing very real struggles, but at the same time, it's a heroic film. It's a film about, you know, connecting with, with each other, you know, across the diaspora, too. Um, and, you know, later this year, unfortunately, missed it during its uh, film festival premiere, but we have uh, Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You, which is kind of about... Uh, being a black wor um, corporate worker and it's like kind of a satire. So I'm very excited to see that as well, but it seems like there are more films coming out that are trying to challenge things and trying to say, Hey, Hey, like here are our voices or here are our stories that you've been ignoring. And so, yeah, it's my, it's my hope that this will carry over through mainstream film, but also like across all mediums. I hope I answered that question right. Or I just, <laughs> I might've just gotten very excited <laughs> about the topic. Um, well, the thing that excites me the most is that we're having a discussion. So I don't yeah. think it's possible for you to answer the question wrong. I think you answered it honestly. And I think as long as you do that, uh, everyone who's listening to us is going to appreciate that. I know I do because I feel like you're really speaking honestly. And um, I was also going to say, you know, speak at length as you want about either Get Out or Black Panther. If there's anything else you want to add, because I was thinking, let's have this just be its own segment. We can end this one after we're done discussing these two. And then we'll start a new segment after this that'll go into, uh, you know, the stuff closer to home and talking about the game that we're on. 
That sounds so, good. Uh, I, um, was there anything else you wanted to add about Get Out or Black Panther that you might have started biting your tongue because you were worried <laughs> you were talking too long? We well, want to hear um, what you've got to say, my friend. That's the reason I wanted you on this discussion. I, I really enjoyed when we do have talks with the writing team. So, <laughs> Yeah, um, I feel like I've probably touched on this point a few times, but something that really struck me, um, especially about Get Out and then also subsequently about Black Panther, um, is that these are both, I think, rather fearless movies. Um, I've seen films that tried to touch on similar topics, but always went short or always made up excuses. And I think they're both very challenging. And it was at this point where before I saw Get Out, I was still thinking a lot in, in metaphor, in, uh, in like, how can I tell this story without, you know, and this is, it's kind of embarrassing to say, but there's a little bit of me that's like, okay, how do I tell stories? And I put in these like undercurrents or like, you know, I get past the censors and all that. And I think that's still, it's probably still happening, of course, with uh, trying to get things produced. But then Get Out came and it was like this feeling of like throwing the notes in the air. It's like, shh, uh, no cursing. Um, I just want to tell my story. <laughs> you know, it was just like, it was like, okay, yeah, let me just speak honestly. And let me just tell people how I'm feeling. Let me just be unashamed about that. And, and that really, you know, I mean, there's still a lot of struggle going on the day to day, but that really was something that I just hadn't felt before that real, like, you know, yes, I can tell my story. And Black Panther, like, left me feeling that exact same way. And I was like, not only that, but now I can be a superhero. And like, I just imagining like all the kids growing up who get to see that because, you know, I mean, I love Link. <laughs> I, I love Link, but... I, you know, I, I didn't grow up seeing that. Um, so I just, I can only imagine like, you know, if that's a benchmark, you know, at least there are kids out there who can say, Hey, you know, I could, I can be a superhero and I can talk about these issues. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I was very, I was very, very excited. And also Ryan, like Ryan Coogler's whole, I mean, dudes from the Bay area, like I appreciate dudes work so much, but I mean, he started with, if I'm not mistaken, it was Fruitvale Station. That's the basic, biggest success that I'm aware of for him right now. I know it was the, the one that brought his uh, name a lot of fame uh, that I'm aware of. I mean, I'm sure if we go through his catalog, there's there's probably something I, I wasn't aware of him working mm -hmm. on. But yes, that was the first one I remember going, oh, okay, wow, this is a local guy telling a local story and, yeah. you know, really taking on what a lot of people felt was a challenge. Yeah, and for anybody who doesn't is not familiar, Fruitvale Station is about... um the uh, shooting of Oscar Grant at uh, the Fruitvale BART station uh, by a BART police officer. And, and it was a, it was because there was all this stuff out there to portray him, Oscar Grant, that is negatively. And it was, you know, Oscar, um, Ryan Coogler came and told his story. And I think in a very in a heartfelt and also pointed way, um, and got it on on a big screen and started out with this and you know and and came out of the gates telling stories that people weren't like weren't listening to and you know from there it seems like his 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 success has only continued to blossom and like I have enjoyed all the films he made I I really respect his work and I'm just happy that there are people out there who are who are courageous and and talented and dedicated um because I said before, like these stories, these stories matter. Like it, it, sometimes it doesn't seem like people are listening or that they're, 
there's a room for them, but you know, they, they are so important and it's, it's something that we need to continue, continue working on making sure that we can, we can experience these things. We can, we can hear each other's stories. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to follow up on a couple of points that you brought up to see one, you, you mentioned uh, the idea that there were, you know, some other projects that you felt came close, but then always uh, pulled up short, didn't actually follow through. And I was wondering if there were any of those that came to mind without mm. feeling like that you're just, you know, taking shots at something that maybe still did good work, but didn't go far enough. Or if you'd rather just leave <sighs> yeah. that one alone, which I'm okay with, but I want to give the opportunity to say if you want. It's tough. And I don't, and it's definitely one of those, like, don't want to say take shots um, because I, the ring, a wrinkle in time, <laughs> uh, respect, you know, respect the work of uh, the director, Ava Dunavernay. She's done a lot of great stuff. Um, but I just feel like a wrinkle in time as a whole, it felt like what I feared Black Panther would be like, that is like hyper produced, uh, very um, kind of nebulous in its message and very, um, how do I say, there's a lot about it that's just optics. You know, it's, it's the kind of film where it, it's very much just like, okay, we have a lot of different looking people on the screen, which is always good, but then the story that we tell isn't really taking advantage of, of their stories. And there are times in the film where I honestly feel like it really, it, it holds up the status quo in very subtle ways, but important ways, because as a, as a children's film, especially, um, there's elements that kids might not have the vocabulary. Hell, adults might not have the whole vocabulary, but we pick it up like through osmosis. And even like, as a simple example, if you set up a, a, it's very popular in storytelling, like a light versus dark dichotomy in your narrative, that never benefits people with dark skin. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of like right there at the, on the top, on the, the nose. It's like, you, I think there's a, there's a scene, not even, I think there's a scene in that film where, um, uh, spoilers, 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 um, like Reese Witherspoon's character, like busts up in, to the main character into her home and she's wearing this crazy outfit whatnot and she looks at you know the main character meg looks at meg's mother who is is a black woman important to the story a light-skinned black woman uh looks at her and then says oh you've done a very great job of keeping the darkness out of your house and then looks at like her darkest skinned daughter and says except for this one <laughs> and it was one of those things where I looked at my friend, I was like, it's like, it's, it's subtle stuff like that. Like, you know, some people might say, Oh, it's like, ah, it's minuscule. It's minor. But I think, you know, all these things just kind of show that, you know, they're not really thinking through all the language, all of the, the imagery. Um, and I think that's a shame because I, I mean, I, I was there on, on opening day, you know, I've seen the film. I've definitely, I've seen the film twice. Um, cause I'm a film nerd, but I, I feel like, you know, especially for kids, it can send the wrong message um, or just not a, uh, a fully formed message because it was clearly evident that they were trying to do something positive. And I felt it kind of fell short in those regards. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't feel like you took any hard shots there, but I felt like you, <laughs> in a, you know, that's a relevant topic because the one Sade of the things that was, was amazing. Though. <laughs> yeah, okay. Good to know. And also, you know, it was something that was touted about the different, you know, members of the cast and what they resent, represented for this idea of a, a movie that was telling a story about a book that's, you know, very old now. Yeah. And how it was being presented on the larger screen. And this is something that should be celebrated. And yet, you know, you're, you're not holding back on the fact that there's areas where you're clear that they missed. And this is something that I actually... Um... It's been in my mind for a long time, and I a really good friend of mine um, often said this, is that, um, well, in this particular case, I was not a big fan of the film, but in general, like, even if you love something, like any medium, like, you can find, you can critique something and still appreciate it. And I think that's a really important thing to have um, for people to remember is that, um, just because you like a, a series doesn't mean you have to be 100% with every choice. And just because you say maybe this, this element could have been done better doesn't mean you have to like, likewise seem like you are just destroying the thing. You can have constructive and, and positive criticism about something that you love. Um, and I think that's just always important to remember. Nice. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm going to actually say, let's go ahead and uh, pause here. We'll end finish this recording. I'm just going to check a couple things on our tech side, and then we'll go ahead and reconnect for the uh, next set of questions. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. Okay. Give me a couple minutes and then look for my connection. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be picking up in a minute with our next segment. Uh, We'll be focusing our discussion on the uh, aspects of working on our game Planet Rise and uh, a few other fun topics that will come up. (laughs) Awesome. Be back with you in just a second. All right. All right. Hello? Hi, Finn. I think we got a little disconnected there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm glad it happens. It, uh, <laughs> it happens. Glad it happened before I started talking at length. Um, no, yeah. The last thing, uh, <laughs> in fact, we'll pick it right back up. The last thing you were saying was uh, when we were getting started, and then yeah. that's right about the time that I dropped you. Yeah. Um, no, I was saying that when we were getting started, uh, I think there was this this question. It's like, can we have, like, three main black characters in our cast at this point the the cast was like maybe seven characters and it was just like why not (laughs) you know why shouldn't we like there and we've i think looked at it you know across you know we're we're very much trying to do a uh, multicultural story and you know looking like you know hey like here's a character from from x plus can we you know tell their story in a different way that you know maybe people aren't expecting um and i think that that sense of like yeah like why shouldn't we show a variety of angles you know show how you know nobody is a monolith um is there are there ways that we in our own work can can hammer back at that uh that kind of image a bit and i think that's very exciting um hey (laughs) we are everything is it are you solid on your end i've got full signal here so i'm not sure where we're dropping off but yeah i've got i've got full signal myself um Hmm. so hopefully that was the last time um so we can continue with the the whole idea of ease of access so many different stories can get out there come on right look it up um but yeah um hopefully we still have that last point i think that's about where um about where I was, so can uh, 
Yeah, no, I think we we yeah. probably got that, and we can still root into uh, the, the next couple of questions. Um, yeah. And there's really only about three remaining, so okay. The last one is going to be the uh, slam bam, but we'll Ooh, go ahead and go yeah. with these other two first. And uh, one I wanted to talk about, so I did a quick research, and it was Xbox Connect that did okay. have some stories um, hmm. about um, the inability to register certain people. And maybe, um, are you familiar with the story at all when it was coming out? Did you ever look into buying an Xbox Connect? And maybe we can explain to people why we're bringing up Xbox Connect as part of this conversation. You know, did you, I, um, were you familiar uh, with that at all? I wasn't familiar with it until we were at the panel. That was the okay. first time that I'd heard of this kind of thing in gaming, but it wasn't the first time I've heard of cameras reacting in that way in general. Um, and uh, so really quickly, just a simple uh, summary was that back around 2010, Xbox was coming out with its Connect feature. And there was uh, some complaints made that uh, people who had bought the service who were not white were not able to register clearly or connect properly on the system, which is designed to read the movements, actions of the figure standing in front of it. And it was brought up in the panel that this was an issue that had come up and had been uh, actually been a problem for one of the members of the panel who was the only uh, black person working on the game who they could then use as their test model. And he quickly then looked at the crowd and said, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm not that dark. And mm. they were using me as the example because I was the only person who would basically fit the description of who they needed to, quote unquote, test it on. And this became a problem not only for that, but it also for the, for the members of the panel brought up an issue about one is. Uh, is there a way of looking at the role of a diverse staff in addressing slants that can occur in data for emerging tech. And that can then build bias into the actual hardware that you want to sell to people who are mm. trying to use this, but then will feel that the actual, the hardware itself is excluding them. And then the second question that kind of ties in was the idea of is an answer to widen the recruitment process. Because if you're looking for the best skilled programmers, many of whom are coming from Ivy League schools, and you're importing them into your workforce, you're also potentially importing the biases they might have already developed if they didn't have a uh, diverse environment for either their social interactions or for their academic. Yeah. So which I, um... question do you want to tackle first? <laughs> well... <laughs> Um, hmm, let's see. I'll, I'll start and I'll see if we can. Uh, and you can blend them together if you want. Yeah. But basically it was about, one, how do we address the, the slant that can occur in developing hardware mm. and how, you know, how that can be affected? And is what do you think about the suggestion that widening the recruitment is a, a way to go about solving that problem or addressing uh, the issue, especially when it comes to hardware, but also as we're dealing with characters and storytelling. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think this is one of those things where it, it can be so difficult to even get people to discuss like things like implicit bias in, uh, 
in their own daily life. So, you know, to the next degree, it's like getting people to, to really think about and consider how biases implement or are implemented in tech is like, I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of people necessarily who consider that. And it's very important. Um, one, you know, the, the example of the connect that we just uh, brought up is, is, is very, very big and, you know, insidious one. It's that whole, that whole erasing almost of your, of your identity based on which skin tones are considered, you know, which, which skin tones are picked up on by the technology. But that's, as I was, I think, mentioning earlier, that's, that's some kind of old stuff there. That's very, the cameras for a long time weren't designed to effectively photograph um, dark skin. And it's not necessarily something everybody thinks about as being like immediate on the, the scale of, you know, insidious things going on but it really it really is and then you take it from that scale all the way to things like like the tay ai uh kind of debacle where it started where this like initial chat bot started picking up um by a very concerted effort by like internet trolls started picking up like really hateful like racist and sexist language um just how that kind of stuff can get really baked in to uh the development tools as far as um, I was thinking about how to combat that, you know, there is this, I think, very long held ideal of, you know, where the best in square, in uh, scare quotes there, the, uh, the best and most talented students come from. And a lot of times people default to the, the Ivy Leagues or, you know, even to the, the private education system. Um, but none of these places have a monopoly on talent, of course. Um, I think that's, you know, the and as you mentioned earlier, there is this um, this potential bias that comes with that. If, you know, you go to the elite, the most elite schools to find the most elite candidates, you're also going to get whatever, you know, mindsets that that engenders. Maybe not, obviously not everybody is going to be a part of that, but you know, you, you might pick up on that. If you want to meet, if you want to diversify your staff and your, uh, your team, there's got to be a certain degree of, you know, going to where people are and also understanding once again, that it's not just the name brand schools that are producing, you know, good students. Like um, this came up in the panel too, where it's like, if people, want to recruit, you know, a lot of, you know, for instance, black, um, black developers or black workers, you know, there's a lot of, you know, historically black colleges you could be at <laughs> recruiting. Um, but it seems like that is often a surprise for people. One, maybe they don't know about historically black colleges, but they just also have gotten into, I think that that trend or that pattern of, you know, only going through the, ma the mainstream, you know, gates of academia, <laughs> like this is, here's where we go. We go to these, you know, four schools or whatever. Um, I, I definitely think that in like recruiting and, you know, getting new voices into this has to be an active, um, an active consideration. It can't just be like, oh yeah, it would be good if we had these things. So let's just take the, you know, the easiest route. It's like, no, you have to actually, you know, put some effort out there because there are people out there doing this stuff. Like, it's definitely not a question of like, are they, do they exist? But it's, 
sometimes you have to, you know, go out, seek them or really make it a part of your recruiting strategy on your, your, on your platform that you're trying to find these voices. Gotcha. No, I agree. Uh, I appreciate you, you know, pointing out those different ways that it can be done and, and where to look, you know, starting with historically black colleges. And uh, if it's something that they're not considering, hopefully after hearing that they will. And then the, uh, the final question is really just going to be, um, I like the question that was asked at the panel that, that basically was asked of each panel member, which was, um, you know, what would be your ideal diverse character? And granted, you have an opportunity to right now work on a game where you're developing diverse characters. I know, and, right. um, so, so you, you, you get to actually, <laughs> you know, yeah. answer that question through your work. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that something you're able to achieve with any of the characters that you're involved with where you feel like this, or do you feel like that's going on with the entire cast? And if not, you know, what would your ideal diverse character be if you're not able to really uh, do all of it right now? Well, um, it's an interesting thing because I do feel like the entire cast is, you know, is kind of a, an amalgamation of like various things that I'd like to discuss. Like um, if we, if we take, you know, if we take, Thela, for instance, Thela is a is a brilliant alchemist, a, a scientist who has come from a, a marginalized community, and nonetheless has persevered, worked his way up through the ranks, become this this very well respected on the international sector, on this well respected academic, but within his own you know home terrain, he's still considered an outsider. He's still kind of considered like an exception to the rule. Um, and there's a lot of that that really just impacts his own, I guess, his own perception of self. Because he knows that he's good, but he also wants to be, you know, treated as, he wants to be regarded for his skills and not for this kind of, like, you know, story that people have constructed around him. Or uh, we take, like, Yoshiko, for instance, who grew up, an orphan in like, you know, the slums and never knew her parents, never knew her heritage, never knew her history, felt like she didn't have a story. And like a lot of her journey is trying to find something to connect to, trying to find a place to belong, which I know a lot of people can empathize with that, that sense of being stateless, of being without history. And there's other, there's other characters, Zolan, who I like a lot, you know, who, who also deals with, you know, his sense of place, but I think on a different level, it's more of, he has the, the structures, the, the community and whatnot, but it's dealing with those expectations, you know, what people expect him to be. And because of this, like, you know, crushing pressure, he also has a great degree of uh, self-doubt and loses confidence from time to time. And, you know, these are just a few examples, but they're, each of the characters, I think, has something, you know, in addition to them all being, you know, from various backgrounds, I mean, set very far in the future. So, you know, some of this, these things are maybe less hardly defined as they are now, but they all have things that they're chasing. They all have 
things that they're struggling with. And in a way, like, I think we all were trying to put into these characters, like different stories that we wanted to really delve into different stories that we weren't seeing happening. And so each of them, I think, fulfills this whole kind of collage or this mosaic of, you know, human experiences. At least that's the, that's the intent in part. Um, and I'm really excited to, to delve into every character's narrative in a, in a meaningful way to show that they, I mean, none of them are, none of them are archetypes. And I think that that's very important in, in design. I don't know and... if I could have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did a really good job with that, man. I'm not going to force you to pull anything else out if, you, if you're, you know, searching for like, how am I completing the answer to this? But, you know, I, I, I think you touched on a lot. And what's kind of fun is you've, you know, intentionally or not hinted at characters that people haven't even seen yet, that to you and I are three-dimensional, living, breathing people, but to the people who haven't yet seen the game or had a chance to learn about the characters, they're only getting a taste of that. And mm. uh, that's kind of fun, I think, because it's already setting up a sense of expectation for people when they do get a chance to see the game to experience all these things that you're setting up for them. And uh, I think that's something that I appreciate, and I'm sure they do as well. Yes, I certainly <laughs> hope. <laughs> well, yes. uh, you know, I mean... I think you can always be thankful for the things that are going to be uh, positive results. And um, one of the best things I can feel is except for those last couple of hiccups near the end, this has been a really positive conversation. I've really enjoyed uh, getting a chance to hear you speak at length about um, some ideas that I know have come up during our discussions, but mm. I get a chance to just hear them you know, directly from you and everyone else has a chance to hear them completely. You know, not, not everyone's, got the chance to sit in on these conversations that i'm a part of but during this conversation anyone listening today or whenever they do listen will have a chance to uh sorry that was my phone telling me my battery was low uh <laughs> to uh to go ahead and you know hear that perspective and also know that that's something that's going on right now in real time um there is someone working with these goals and pursuits trying to achieve their vision with the game and uh, I'm just happy that they get a chance to hear who you are and, and what you're doing. Yeah, I'm grateful for everybody who <laughs> the chance to listen to it. Yes. Um, well, hey, man, I'm just going to go ahead and wrap it up with thank you for taking mm. the time to talk with me about this. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Fenn. Uh, he's a joy to work with as a writer. And uh, it's just been a pleasure to, to hear some of the things that we've talked about today in our discussions. And I'm happy to have this discussion with him today so that hopefully others get a chance to hear his viewpoints and learn more about who I think is a really amazing emerging writer. Um, so again, man, thank you for taking the time to uh, talk with me about this. And uh, if you're good, I'm going to say, let's wrap this conversation. I still have 10% left on my battery. So it's not just because <laughs> my battery is just going to die, but I, but I do want to take the opportunity to say, Hey, I think we've covered a lot of great topics and I, I really appreciate the, uh, the time you took and the thoughtfulness and the honesty in your answers. I, I think it's something that others listening will appreciate as well as I do. Man, uh, I appreciate you. Hey. It's been good. <laughs> Thanks man. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the finish recording button. Okay. Alrighty. All right, man. Welcome back, Finn. 
Hey, good to be back. Good to be back. Cheers. <laughs> so yeah, for everyone who was listening a minute ago, uh, we were going through a pretty nice discussion that wrapped up with some uh, talk about Ryan Coogler, Black Panther, uh, Get Out, and a few other topics. We even lightly touched on, uh, what was that last movie we were just talking about? A Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle in Time, right. Um, and while it was great to put it out there on the, the bigger scale, um, we wanted to go ahead and bring things a little bit closer to home as well. Um, also, Fen, you'll have to tell me later uh, what you were able to do to get us connected, because for some reason, when I was trying to connect with you, it just wasn't working. Uh, yeah, yeah. Arcane rituals and magic. You know, yep. We'll, yeah. we'll have to follow up on it. I'll get yep. my dry chicken bones. We'll be good to go. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the small scale, Fen and I both work on a really great game uh, called Planet Rise. It's going to be coming out, we're hoping, this summer. But, you know, schedules are always in flux and we're willing to, to go with the, the best option and the best timing as, as it works out. But uh, we've had this, you know, rare opportunity to work together, a lot of us being from different areas. Both Fed and I are in the Bay, but uh, another member of the writing team lives out in Washington, D.C., and another member is down in Southern California, which means that we have to collaborate in scheduling, meeting up once a week for conference calls, things like that. And uh, it's also created a bit of a bond because, you know, that's a lot of work to just mm. spend time talking with each other. Um, and that's something I think we can get into for another discussion. But I wanted to go <laughs> on to a, a couple of questions that came out of the, the uh, panel. Uh, again, we're referencing the Black Sin Gaming panel that was at GDC uh, in San Francisco. It's been about a month now, at least. Mm. And uh, these were some topics that, that have some resonance and we wanted to follow up on because we feel that they're not only relevant to the game, but also to the things that we feel the game represents and uh, other points that we just feel are valuable to bring up. So I was going to move into the the next question, which was, uh, you know, what's your perspective on what it's like working on a game with a uh, non-white lead character and also female character? And feel free to blend those two, target one or the other. (laughs) It's your answer. (laughs) Um, well, I, I suppose, I mean, one, it's a blessing, I I would definitely say, um, because from jump, this has been a team in which, like, we haven't necessarily, we hadn't had to, to prove why this was important. We hadn't, like, we just, I think all together just felt that this was what we wanted to do. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing that, at least in my personal experience, it was, it's always been there since I was a kid. And like, I've always wanted to tell these stories. And, you know, I remember growing up and it was, you know, whenever I wrote stories, it was all Link, it was all Goku. It was, you know, those, those types of characters. And it wasn't until later that I started to like realize that I wasn't seeing myself in my stories. And that became something I really wanted to change. And so I think, as a team, we're just, I think we all collectively recognize the importance of, of that on-screen representation. And, you know, while the optics are obviously very important, you know, we also just, we really want to make these characters meaningful. And so... I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, it's 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 definitely just something I I, I enjoy 
I am always constantly factoring it into my designs. I know we all are just the, the impact of our characters, you know, what they represent. Of course, you know, it's, it's not like any one person or any one group is necessarily going to be able to hit every single point, uh, like dead on. But I think we're all engaged in this conversation and trying to just create, empathetic, interesting characters that, you know, that are relevant, that, that discuss issues that are relevant to people and feel, feel like they, they're meaningful. That answers it. <laughs> I think it does a great job. Um, you know, I think it really uh, addresses the self, which is always going to be a challenge. Um, mm. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to talk about things that, well, they haven't been talked about for a while and not often, you know, and when they are talked about, it's, it's always something, well, wouldn't it be nice? But now we're part of something that's more than just, wouldn't it be nice? It's okay. We're doing this. How well can we yeah. do it? Let's do it right. And yeah, I can only, uh, can only imagine if we sat down and, and thought about what those pressures might be, you know, but like you said, if there's any sense of understanding it's that not everyone's going to get it exactly right and that shouldn't be the goal it's about getting the things that are important for what you're trying to say right when you're trying to say them um, yeah and I, I feel like your answer really covered that so so thank you um i guess i would move into the next question which is uh something that we heard in the panel but i felt it it also had a, a question of its own which was the idea that well if if it's been proven through things like Black Panther and Get Out that a non-white lead character can have a compelling story that draws audiences and brings in the money, then why aren't there more? Mm. And what is preventing it? And one of the ideas that came back from the panel was that um, what's actually, they said, well, let's focus not on, on all the things that can get in the way. Let's focus on what can actually like bring its success. And the things they felt that were successful about both of those two examples were that the stories crossed all borders. And they said, well, you know, it's a, it, it seems like it's simple, but at the same time, those stories were more than just about whether or not the lead character was of a certain diversity or white or not white. You know, what they did was they presented stories about um, ideas that for the most part are universal the idea of being an outsider, the idea of being, um, if ever you felt like a stranger, or the idea of um, the father-son relationship that was like one of the mm. most dominant factors in Black Panther. Right. And how that tapping into those universal ideas allowed the story to supersede whatever uh, lens someone wanted to put on it, whether it's a, a black or a white lens or any other sort of um, well, this is how you're going to view it. It's like, well, actually, this is a story that transcends that. And that if we have stories that are able to have a, a universal quality that can cross all the borders, then that's when we get success. Mm. Yeah. And I know you had some thoughts about it. Yeah. Um, I just think there's, there's, there's this whole, I don't I mean, we could get into the roots, I'm sure, of all of this, but there, I think it's very difficult to to really not empathize with others. Um, 
I think that, you know, there, there are definitely concerted efforts to make that more challenging. Um, but it's one of those things where I'm like, at its core, like, just like you said, any of these stories could be reduced to an abstract where, you know, get out becomes like, I suddenly, you know, I was in a place that I thought was safe and suddenly it's not safe. And it's like a grad or not even suddenly gradually it's not safe. It's like, you know, the frog in the boiling pot almost. Um, you could Good do example. that. <laughs> and I think every story, no matter, because they're all, they all have this, this consistency is that they're about humans. And it seems like a cliche to say like, you know, that we're all humans, but sometimes like there's people really forget that it's like, you know, people go out, they, they experience anger, they experience fear, they, happiness, joy, you know, all these things. Um, and you can reduce all these stories to that. But I think it's a combination of, you know, people being open enough to realize that there is that connection inherently and seeing like, oh, you know, I can see where this would impact my own life. But then also the aspect of, but because Get Out is not just an abstract story of alienation, it's, I think, even more powerful because it's speaking to like a very specific, very, um, to some people unknown and to some people just un, unfully expressed. That was a weird word. Um, unacknowledged experience. And I think it's those, those, that combination of things of being, you know, both targeted, but also, you know, yes, it is, it is a general thing that anybody could, could conceive of, maybe not in those specific terms, but yeah, people could, could see, see the idea of why that would be scary. Um, and so I think that's part of the reason why, why they succeed, but I, I, I do imagine that it gets back to the whole myth that these stories won't be universal. I think that's just, that's a construct completely. I mean, there are people who ignore things that don't necessarily fit into their, their worldview or assume that they're not, you know, relevant, but I, I definitely think there is a universality to these tales that if you're just watching and allowing yourself to be open to, you can really find and tap into. And do you feel that that's uh part of the formula for the success when it's also uh, the issue for a female lead character. It's, I feel like it should be. Um, I definitely, but maybe the female lead character changes things a little bit. It's one of those things. I think it's the same. It's not, not the same, obviously, but there are all of these intersections between whose stories are considered important. And for, you know, I mean, even continuing today, definitely, that there is this devaluing of women's experiences and stories. I, I know Wonder Woman was a, was a recent example of a film that uh, I think people didn't think could get made. You know, having a oh, woman directing a film about, you know, about Wonder Woman, which is, from, from the inception, is a very, very interesting character. But... I mean, I, I've played through, uh, you know, games like Injustice or old uh, DC titles where they completely took that character and did nothing with her. And they treated the character like, like crap because they re tried to reduce her to the second, uh, second fiddle status. And I think that there is this hurdle because just like 
you know, racism is still alive and well, sexism is as well. And, and these are issues that, that need to be confronted. Okay. Um, well, I think that leads really nicely into a, uh, another topic that was brought up and there were some answers provided that I feel still lead into some other good questions, which are uh, the idea of one of the ways to combat the uh, the problems facing diversity in, in league characters is to not have them be uh, pigeonholed in a stereotype. Right. And there was an idea expressed about how to put these or how to have a range of characters who are, who are on a spectrum. And I was curious about your thoughts on creating a spectrum of characters, not just an individual to avoid needing to either pigeonhole our story or our characters when it comes to our game. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think this is one of those areas that people, excuse me, overlook. Um, and it gets into that whole like idea of tokenism, you know, where they're like, oh, somebody said I needed to be multicultural or whatever. So uh, here's your, you know, here's a non-white character. Boom. Um, and oftentimes those ideas are already rooted in in negative stereotypes or like a, making characters that confirm um, and conform to, uh, you know, outside expectations of those populations. But also if you only have one character in a film like that, you, or any medium, that one character becomes like essentially representative of everybody from that population. And, and uh, when the viewers see that, or like, you know, players play that, they're like, oh, well, like, clearly this is how all people from X background are. Um, perhaps not like in an immediate, like, overt way, but, you know, certainly I think it reinforces those kind of um, negative ideas and stereotypes so i mean one thing is is like there there isn't necessarily like a one perfect character i mean i think this got brought up and i think it was a really good example you can um use it on any number of uh, backgrounds but like if you have a a bossy um woman character in a, in a corporate office and she's the only woman there, all of a sudden her bossiness is amplified. And that connects back to a negative stereotype about, you know, women in power or women, you know, as nags or things like that, which is very, very damaging. But, you know, if you have a lot of women in the cast, then that becomes that character's bossiness is that character's own, you know, story versus it rep being representative of all women. And it's a similar thing with like with anything I can think of any number of movies, recent movies, like uh, Ready Player One, for instance, is a recent one too, um, where if you have one black character who's like the wisecracking comic relief character, it connects back to this long-standing tradition of having black people stereotyped in that way. Um, and sometimes it really can be, not as an oversimplification, but it can be as direct is just creating more roles and not thinking that, you know, not treating diversity like a, in, in a grudging manner or like a, oh man, I have to manner instead. And instead looking at it from a, like, how do I really open up, you know, the storytelling potential? How do I make, you know, casts and characters that are representative of a wider range of, of peoples? So. <laughs> Well said. No, I completely agree. And 
I feel like also that with the spectrum, uh, you're provided the opportunity to uh, disrupt those ideas, to show yeah. contradictory examples that really challenge what, like you said, there's been a long history that says, well, this is what worked. Provide for them. And uh, by doing that, we're, we're satisfying a need and we can also claim that we're not being exclusive. Yeah, and there's just, and it's it's also like, I guess there's that that part too. Or I remember when we were getting started. And... For more information about Finn Smith and links to his work, visit SethSingletonStoryteller.com.
Thank you again for listening to Storytelling with Seth. Whether you're listening on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this recording. Feel free to take a look for the link that says to support me, which should be a really simple little button. And if you're having any trouble, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. And I'll make sure that I'll do my best to help. But your listening, your continued support is what makes these podcasts possible. And I couldn't do it without you. So thank you again, not only for listening, but for your generous support and for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.